Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson. So when I first gave my life to Christ as a junior in college, I had this belief. I think a lot of people might resonate with this, that if you give your life to Christ, it'll be better. Yeah, I think a lot of us thought Everything will be better. Yeah. I mean, if I get married, my marriage will be better. My family, everything will be better with Jesus. It's sort of like everything's better with Coke or Pepsi. Well, it's true in a way. It's just you weren't expecting bad things to happen. No, I really thought there wouldn't be pain. I mean, a month later, I end up in the hospital with a knee surgery that I thought would end my college football career. And I remember laying in the hospital bed going, I did not sign up for this. I thought you would make my life better. You've made my life worse. You meaning Jesus. Yeah. I felt like that was sort of my lament Mm. at the time. But I think a lot of us walk into the Christian life thinking it's going to be just glorious from here on out. And I think that's a myth we need to dispel a little bit. So we've got Paul Miller in the studio today at Family Life Today in Orlando. You've been on Family Life Today before in Little Rock, but first time to Orlando, right, Paul? Right, that's correct. Welcome to Family Life. We're glad you're with us. It's great to be here. Yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about what you do. I know you write, but you teach a lot on what I just brought up, this topic of how the Christian life is really going to be. Kali, what my work and the mission that I direct is called See Jesus, and we're a, a discipling mission. Hmm. So I'm a discipler who learned the craft of writing in order to disciple better. Hmm. Uh, so my passion is Christ formation in the church. So this J-curve is one aspect of Christ formation. So the J-curve is like the letter J. It goes down into death and up into resurrection. And the idea of it is the Christian life is shaped like the letter J, which is Jesus' life. He goes down into his death and up into his resurrection and enthronement. That's why the upper part of the J is perfect for that. So you think of WWJD, what would Jesus do? And I think that's great. Like, I think that people think about that. I think that's a a good thing to do. I'm not knocking that at all or belittling it. But for most people, that can translate as just mere niceness. You you know, so to become like Jesus is to become nicer, which is is good. But this idea of the J-curve is that the normal Christian life is a reenacting of Jesus dying and rising. So to become like Jesus is much more than niceness, but it's entering the story of his life. And that and that's really what I did not understand. Yeah. Initially, again, I'm a, you know, brand new follower. I'm 20 years old. I'm a college right. kid. But when I picked up your book, The J Curve, you know, I didn't even pick that up. I'm like, what is the J Curve? Even looking at the subtitle, Dying and Rising with Jesus in Everyday Life. Yes. Yeah. But explain this whole idea because I don't think it's a general understanding for most of us as followers of Christ. Let me just give you one story 
that was one of the times where this was particularly fresh on my mind, but we were going from Philadelphia to Orlando, and I was taking my daughter Kim with me. And you have and, six children. Yeah, we have six children. Kim's our fourth, and she's got some significant disabilities. It was a speaking weekend. I was speaking over in Central Florida, and uh, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll take Kim with me and give Jill a break for the weekend. And she has autism, so doing things the first time can kind of overwhelm her. You know, so we we get to long-term parking. She starts complaining because she goes through a book bag and mom didn't pack her book. We get to the bus stand to take the bus to long-term parking. And I've got these boxes and Kim to get on the bus and I'm panicking and the doors shut on me and Kim starts laughing. I mean, that's just sort of Kim. I mean, a few other mishaps happen and we're in the back of the plane. She's fully electronic. She's listening to her book. She's got her speech computer. And the pilot comes on and says we're 12th in line for takeoff. Now, Kim can't see any of these other planes, but she hates waiting in line. So just knowing she's in a line, like if he would have lied, it would have blessed us. Okay. (laughs) So Kim has this grand mall meltdown in the back of the plane. And I'm sitting there thinking, this was a mistake. Mm. I will never do this again. I bet. You know. Yeah, it's and, hard and you're getting ready to go speak, so oh, it's probably hard to yeah. keep that on your mind. I'm rattled. I'm yeah. embarrassed. You know, you name it. You Everybody's know, looking at you. Is she yeah. loud on the plane? Oh yeah. I mean she's having a meltdown. I mean it's not often that she has these, but But you're thinking this wasn't even worth it. Absolutely. Like this was a mistake. And then I thought as I processed it over that that night and then the next day, I I realized that uh, something I was really familiar with, but I had forgotten that the entire Christian life and that piece of my life was a J-curve. I was going down into death, a special kind of J-curve called a love J-curve, which Philippians 2 talks about, that where Jesus doesn't grasp at having a quiet weekend. You know, I'm translating Philippians 2, and he descends into an airport with Kim, my my daughter, and I take a burden away from my wife. And it gives you a frame for looking at life that just has so many side blessings to it. So you've processed this on this trip. You decide, okay, now that I go through this J curve and I'm dying to self, I'm going to come back up. Did that help you? Like, what did it do? Did you think I'll do this again and bring Kim with me? Yes. And I ended up doing it again. And we actually traveled out to Little Rock together a couple of times, which was fine unless there was a screaming kid on the plane that (laughs) drove her nuts. But what it does It gives meaning to my suffering Hmm. because I know where I am. When when, when you suffer, whatever it is, suffering often feels like a sucker punch, especially when it hits. And you're confused. You don't know where you are. And it locates you. You know, where am I? I'm not in pain on the back of the plane and, you know, an emotional plane, but it's a way of participating in Christ. Because when all of us are in these dyings, these J-curves, what do you do when you're helpless? You pray. Mm. And so you're in a fellowship of his suffering, what Paul calls in Philippians 3. You are not alone. You're weakened. So your pride is weakened. Your will is weakened. And the resurrection, there's so many different kinds of resurrections that come out of it. But one of the most immediate 
resurrection is a humbled self because I don't know how to do life. You know, Jesus helped me to be patient as I endure this being shamed, as it were, on the back of a plane. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that I found fascinating watching you teach the J-curve was how you connected Philippians 2. I want to read it because I'm thinking some of our listeners may not be real familiar with the words. And then just have you comment on how that that works in terms of Jesus lived the J-curve. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading Philippians 2 verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Here it is, mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, kenosis, yeah. by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Yeah. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, as I read that now with the J curve yep. in my mind, I see it. Yep. I want our listeners to see it like I see it because I've heard you teach it. So yep. walk us through that because I think you're so right. When we get that mindset, it changes the way we live every minute of every day. Right. And so if I know I'm in Jesus' story, then it kind of gives it a kind of a glory, a, a glow to it almost. Hmm. But but think of the, the downward move of the J. It actually splits into two parts. The first part, the incarnation, I call the easy part. Now, we actually not talk to Jesus like how difficult was that, but you, you know what I mean? Right, right. But there's clearly his self-emptying, and it's talking there about his humility, his humbling himself. And then the second part is then he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's really helpful to see those two parts because the first part is like engagement and wedding, the honeymoon, no kidding, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you bear the cost of that love. And then you have to work through tensions in your marriage, you know, having kids. So think of it. The the, the first part is the commitment and the descent. And then the next part is where you bear the cost of it. So the first part I call a love J-curve. And love J-curves always lead to suffering J-curves. So let's say it's marriage. Yeah. So you kind of define that. The beginning is the honeymoon. Right. Everything's wonderful. Right. And then does every marriage go into a descent? Not only just every marriage, but every time you concentrate in love, you go into a descent. And it really helps you to realize that, like, this isn't a marriage problem. This is what the Christian life is like. And what we do is we're, as we're down to the nasty part, what we do is we rethink the first part. Yes. You know. Yeah, exactly. And, and think, you know. We, we Fire's remorse. Look back up at the J and said, look, if I hadn't made this commitment, I would never be in this mess. But that's the structure of love. It's the structure of God's heart. You know, and it's it's such a beautiful thing. Like usually if you're suffering with your kid, like teenagers or in a relationship where there's some tension in the marriage, a lot of the suffering is just humility. It's just very humbling, you know, or, or someone is treating you badly. And to receive that, like Jesus is in a J curve at the bottom of a J curve at Gethsemane to take that cup and receive the cup. 
and to say, Father, I take what you've given me, you know, and it's just this act of the will transforms the whole story, Mm. you know, so you're no longer in a story of you pursuing life, but you're in the story of Jesus. I'm thinking of our marriage when we were really struggling. Yeah. And I would say we were at the bottom. We had descended. I mean, six months after our wedding day, she says, the biggest mistake of my life was marrying you. (laughs) She says that (laughs) out loud to me. And I felt the same thing. She's looking back up the jet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But in that, at the bottom of that, you're right. I came to an end of myself of saying, God, I have nothing, but all I can do is offer myself to you and this marriage to you. It also revealed my selfishness, my sinfulness, and it was that apart from you, I can do nothing. So you're saying there's a beauty to that point. That's when the beauty of Jesus emerges out of us. I think all of us are perfectionists, and that's not bad. It's just what's perfect. So it's not so much my circumstances are perfect, but by continually living in and receiving these dyings, that what becomes more and more like Jesus, what becomes perfect is my spirit, is I begin to look like Jesus. Hmm. So the perfection is not in the circumstances, but in the beauty of Jesus. Or I can check out, right? Right. There's part of me is like, yeah, it's beautiful. Right. Because when you said it earlier, I'm like, you got to explain how it's beautiful because a lot of us, we hate pain. We get in that suffering. We blame God. We don't want death. We want life. I want resurrection. I don't want. And so there's a choice I have to make in the middle of that, right? That danger of checking out is escaping the J-curve. Then it always lands you in something worse. You know what I mean? But that's why it is so critical as you're going through this death to receive it, to take the cup. I would write that out as a prayer. Father, I take this difficult spouse. I take this difficult child. It's an act of the will. So you're surrendering your internal heart's demand that God give you a pain-free life. Hmm. When you do that, you're entering Christ in new ways. Hmm. Is that something you had to do on that plane flight? It was just that evening later on, because I, I had been doing a lot of taking the cup. I just, the, the thing about the Jacob, we forget it, because what we want is sort of the, the slanted line, you know, if you think, you know, going yeah. up. Yeah, our you emotions know, rule up until in the, the right. moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, so we want to go from the, the lower part of the J to the upper part of the J, you, you know, and, and that's kind of our flesh's default. So that keeps coming back in. And as I thought about it, I thought, so just some of the ways that played out on that trip with Kim that Paul says in Second Corinthians 4, he says, death is at work in us, but life in you. So sometimes our dying is someone else's resurrection. Mm. And the next day we went to one of the parks and Kim had lost her temper again because we missed the train to take some somewhere anyway. And <laughs> I called home and my daughter Ashley picked up and she said, mom says every five minutes, it's so nice without Kim around. <laughs> and we love Kim dearly. Right. She right. just, you know, when she's not getting her way, she'll let you know. So my death was a gift to Jill 
it was Friday night when we did that. On Saturday, I was speaking and getting filmed. And so God was giving me a gift <laughs> of humility, a dime to prepare me for the next day's rising. Hmm. So he was ministering to my soul. Which is so interesting because we never think he's ministering to our soul. Yeah, when we're in a hardship or we're yeah. in a hard place, but sometimes yeah. that's when he does his most beautiful work. Yeah. So sometimes the dying and rising are almost simultaneous, and you can see this in Jesus' life that it comes to particularly in Luke, where you'll see dying and rising paired. Mm. So like at his baptism, the humility of his baptism, and then the heavens opening. Mm how magnificent his birth is, but it's only shepherds that show up. So there's all these pairings of dying and rising all through his life. I thought it was interesting that you say the Holy Spirit finds your weakness irresistible. Think of the J-curve that you read, Philippians 2. So the down J-curve in Philippians 2 goes all the way down to Jesus' death, even death on a cross. And then Paul has this word that turns at the word therefore. God has highly exalted him. And the idea of that word therefore in the Greek, the sense of it is that that is why. Mm. I choke up so easily, so bear with me on it, because it's just so often, and I've lived so many of these. Jesus dying, the resurrection is his father's response to his obedience. Mm. It's just, um, it just sort of takes your breath away. So the resurrections are embedded in the deaths. They're like the launching pads. So without the dying, there's no rising. I mean, obviously, we know that in Jesus' life. I mean, I, I've known both men and women who've endured in a hard marriage where they've been honest with their spouse and it hasn't worked and you can see their dying affect their children, you know, that it brings life, that there's, it's the father, sorry, I should have warned you about this, that I, I feel these things so deeply. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that the, 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 God is so excited by our deaths, by our, our obedience, our ongoing surrender, that his, he, he gifts us with the Spirit. And that's what resurrection is. Mm-hmm. That's what he did with his son on Easter morning, is he gifted his, <laughs> sorry, he gifted his obedient son with a resurrection. Mm. And that, and the whole Christian life then is not just dying, but it's waiting for and entering these resurrections that are just remarkable. When you said that as children watch their parents die, what do you mean by that? Like there's a beauty to that. Well, by that I mean, uh, say, a parent enduring in a... In a hard marriage. In, in a hard marriage. You're saying there's a beauty to that. Yeah, because... Well, what you said earlier, Dave, about the exit, if you don't take the emotional exit of bitterness. Of checking out and being bitter. Yeah, you know, and I would say bitterness yeah. and sort of constant quarreling. You know, you'll see some couples that have been married oh, yeah. in their 70s and they're still snipping at one another. And, you know, <laughs> if honesty didn't work the first 50 years, you might want to try a different strategy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just a thought, you yeah. know what I mean? Something to run, you know, just, just something to think about. And so if you don't go through the doors of bitterness, gossip, or 
crankiness or quarreling, but you take the cup that God has given me a difficult spouse, and I'm going to take this cup. What can I control? I can control how I respond. I can control gentleness. I can, and I can't even do that. I need the spirit of Jesus to be in me. Hmm. Yeah, you know, as I listen, one of the thoughts I have as we wrap this up is expectations are so critical for us to understand in marriage, but especially in our Christian walk. It's like when you're on an airplane and the pilot comes on and says, hey, Fasten your seatbelt. Turbulence is about to happen. Right. When it happens, you're like, oh. Right. You know, I, I said it was prepared coming. for this. But right. when we walk into Christian life thinking it's only going to be resurrection, there's going right. to be no death and suffering. Yeah. It's harmful. But if you're ready for it, it doesn't make it easier, but it does prepare you, right? Yeah. And uh, just a very clear example of that is in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul told the Thessalonians that they were going to suffer. And we're probably only talking like a month later. And so Paul has prepared them for what the normal Christian life. So every new Christian ought to hear right away about the J curve, Mm. that it's not your life anymore. Your life is going to look like Jesus' life. And it's out of his love that refines us. Yes. It's not that he's a bad God that wants bad things to happen. It's his love and his mercy. And I think it's also... Very important that every marriage needs to understand the J-curve. Yeah. You're going to suffer. There's going to be death. It's going to yeah. be hard. Yeah. It doesn't mean your marriage is done. It means yeah. you're living the life yeah. that God's called you to be. Yeah. And if you are obedient, there can be a resurrection on the other side. And, and a surrender. If, yeah. yeah. I'm not telling you what that's going to look like, but God's going to walk you through the J-curve. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to learn how to use marriage to transform your community? Consider joining with us to help build marriage ministry movements where lives are transformed through the gospel. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website under helping couples at families.powertochange.org.au. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today. Music.